Hello, welcome to the first ever episode of The Indoor Rower. I'm your host, Tony Larkman, a professional rowing coach, personal trainer, water rower, and indoor rowing competitor. The aim of The Indoor Rower is to give you, the listener, all relevant information, research, and advice on the aspects of the sport, with topics covering periodization, training cycles, strength and conditioning, nutrition, diet, weight loss, muscle gain, injury prevention, cross training, 2K racing, technique, plus much, much more. Join me every week for an insight into one of the biggest fitness trends of 2022. A quick introduction on your host, me, Tony Larkman. I started rowing in 1983 at Barnelms Boat Club in London and have rowed at some fantastic rowing clubs, including Quinton Boat Club, Kingston Rowing Club, Tideway Sculler School and Molsey Boat Club. I've been fortunate enough to row with some very special athletes and been coached by some of the best coaches in the country. Highlights for me have been winning Henley in 1999 and 2004, representing Great Britain at World Cup regattas, and being part of the three-way tie in the Crash Bees in 2002, which was then the World Indoor Rowing Champs. I tied with two other British athletes to share the gold medal, Chris Rushton and Nick Fleming and myself. We all recorded 557.6, with the American Tom Borer just behind him 557.8. I also medalled at many British rowing indoor champs and world indoor rowing champs. I currently run my own personal training business, helping people to become fitter, leaner, stronger and better. But enough about me, let's move on to today's topic, periodization and the general preparation period. What is periodization? Periodization is the planning of a training year to achieve a specific goal. Periodization is usually broken down into five separate cycles. So we have number one, general preparation, which is kind of prep one, I call it. Specific preparation or prep two. The third one is pre-competition. Then we move into competition. And at the end of a competition, we move into our transition phase. So there are different separate cycles of periodization. General preparation usually covers the first part of periodization. In the sport of indoor rowing, the main competition of the year is the World Indoor Rowing Champs held in February. If we take our goal as the Worlds, then February is the peak. However, your peak may be the Nationals in December or another race at a different time of the year. It doesn't really matter. You just need to count backwards from your goal and then start general preparation or prep one 10 months before the big race. Let's take the Worlds as our main goal. Held annually in different countries, but always in February. So counting back 10 months we see April is the beginning of general preparation training. What is general preparation cycle and how long does it last? Well, general preparation is gearing your training plan to building strength in the weights room and increasing your endurance fitness levels. However, this period is mainly targeting strength as a major priority. The first phase of the training cycle lasts between 12 and 16 weeks. Personally, I go for 16 weeks to keep me fresh for the specific preparation phase of training which I will go into in another episode. I'm just going to interject before we look into details of strength and endurance training during the general preparation phase. After your main goal, which will be at the end of the competition phase, you head into the transition phase of the cycle. So this is pre-general preparation phase. The transition phase is also known as the off-season and is the link between two annual training plans, basically rest and relaxation. So what do you do during this period? Well, you need to go on holiday, regenerate, relax, and just do the bare minimum exercise to keep healthy. 
It's usually a four-week period after the main goal of the year. So in this scenario, it would be March. Back to focusing on strength training during the 16 weeks of the general preparation phase of training. Personally, I target two weight sessions a week in April and three in May, June and July. This block of training helps me to build a foundation for future training. The main workouts usually consist of three to four sets of six to 12 reps and they're around a 70 to 85 intensity range of one rep max. And you should all know your one rep max. If you don't, this will be the period to get a strength and conditioning coach to actually help you and assist you in finding out what your one rep max is of the main Pacific lifts. So we're looking at squats, deadlift, bench press. So for example, if you've got a one rep max of squat, say around 100 kilos, you would set a set of six to 12 reps at about 70 to 85 kilos. Again, I tend to work around the three sets of 12 reps in the first four weeks then move to slightly heavier weights at three sets of 10 between weeks five and eight of the general prep. Then I go for four sets of eight during the next four weeks cycle, which is nine to 12 weeks into the general preparation phase. And finally, between weeks nine and 12, I'm lifting four sets of six reps with a heavier load. So you can see the progression. Weights are getting heavier and the reps are getting lower. My main exercises cover a squat exercise, a hinge exercise, at least one press, at least one pull, a rotation and some type of lunge. In addition, I add in core stability and hip and shoulder mobility exercises, including mobility of the thoracic area of the back, which is the upper section between the shoulder blades. So what are my big lifts? Definitely include squats, without a doubt. You need to be able to squat. Start with back squats, but if you have good shoulder mobility and flexible wrists to hold a rack position, if you know what rack position, just Google it is. You'll see where the elbows are and how far up you've got to be in front. Include front squats for at least one of your weekly workouts. I'd also include the barbell deadlift. It's a fantastic hinge exercise to build overall strength and posterior chain of muscles, which help develop and balance the body for rowing. We are talking hamstrings, gluteus maximus, erector spinal muscle group, the trapezius muscles, and posterior deltoids and calves. An absolute must exercise for rowers. If you have any lower back issues, try using lighter weights and a trap bar, also known as a hexagon bar. It's kinder on the lower back with less flexion on the staff lift. It's a great alternative for a deadlift using a trap bar. It really does help with that transition, helping to get the strength of the lower back into the barbell. My next big exercise is the barbell bench press. The pressing exercise strengthens the chest, anterior deltoids and triceps, which are not trained in a row movement. By training on the bench press, you lessen the risk of injury through muscle imbalances and having strong chest muscles enables the upper back rhomboid muscles to work efficiently and powerfully through the rowing stroke. If you have noticed that one arm is stronger than the other during any bench pressing, you can move to dumbbell chest press, which will correct the imbalance over time. So okay, what next? Definitely a pull exercise and preferably a row. I like barbell bent over rows, which target the rhomboids in the upper back, plus my trapezius and latissimus dorsi, which form the major muscles of the back and are essential for powerful rowing. Also, by targeting these muscles, your posture would improve and help to reduce back and neck pain. I also moved to kind of the sets of the barbell shoulder press and pull-ups to complement the press and pull movements and provide additional strength and integrity of my body during more Pacific rowing training. 
I like doing barbell shoulder press and pull-ups because it helps me to develop the strength and mobility around the neck area. I like to finish the weight session with some weighted walking lunges and a rotational exercise like Russian twists or wood chops. The whole weight workout usually takes me about 60 minutes. I tend to mix up the sessions between barbell and dumbbells to target any imbalances, keep it fresh and keep me focused. I also like to include kettlebell exercises to replace some barbell work from time to time. For example, I will do heavy kettlebell swings instead of deadlifts, or single arm kettlebell chest press instead of barbell bench press, or a dumbbell chest press. And of course, I rest for 90 to 126 seconds between sets by doing planks, side blanks, bridges, clams, etc. to strengthen my core. So that the strength side, what about the endurance side of the general preparation phase? This is the period when you really should incorporate cross-training into your program. Cross-training involves incorporating different modalities of exercise from other sports into your rowing program. And April, May, June and July are perfect for this if you are a competitive indoor rower. Benefits include reducing risk of overuse rowing injuries. You can also accumulate many hours of aerobic conditioning that will only add to your speed in the latter part of the training cycles. Plus, cross-training improves athleticism and flexibility of training if you're struggling to get to an indoor rowing machine. So what would the endurance side of the general preparation phase look like? Well, if you're lifting two to three days a week and training six days a week, that will leave three to four aerobic endurance workouts a week. These sessions tend to last between 45 and 90 minutes. Personally, I start at 45 minutes in April and build up every month by 15 minutes. So for example, April, 45 minutes, moving into May, 60 minutes, June, we build up to 75 minutes and by July, I'm doing 90 minutes of cross training. And the July one coincides with the warmer weather in the UK. This makes it easier to fit in these long sessions. I tend to do the long ones over the weekends or if it's during a working day, I split them up. So what cross-training exercises are complementary for rowing? Well, number one is the obvious one, cycling. How many rowers have good bikes? Lots. Cycling is an excellent way to achieve greater training volumes. Running is one of my favourites too. Not many rowers like running, but because it's an impact activity, your bones, tendons and ligaments will be challenged more than cycling. Do get good running shoes and build up slowly. Swimming is another good one and that reduces pressure on joints and alleviates stress on muscles, tendons and ligaments but will give you a huge aerobic conditioning workout. It's a great cross-training exercise. Another one I like which you don't seem to hear more about in the rowing world is elliptical trainers. The elliptical trainers or some people call them cross trainers in the gym are excellent choices for cross-training for indoor rowing. They are less stressful on your joints, plus you are using your upper body. They're a great alternative to running or cycling. The elliptical trainer is one of my go-to workouts during the general preparation phase. However, what we haven't discussed is what classifies as aerobic training. For me, aerobic exercise is continuous exercise for a minimum of 30 minutes of a heart rate between 60 to 70% of maximum heart rate. How do you find your maximum heart rate? There are several formulas. There's the old-fashioned formula of 220 minus your age, and that's the most common. Another measurement is 207 minus 0.7 times your age. However, these are not always accurate. 
the best method is to perform a step test on a rowing machine. Not pleasant, but it is the best method. One caveat to that, always consult your doctor before performing a maximum fitness test. The step test table can be found on my website, tonylartman.com slash 80-20-polarize-training. Basically, it's a 28-minute row and the workload gets harder every four minutes. You will hit max or close to max heart rate in the last four minutes. Once you know your max heart rate, you use your resting heart rate, and that's the heart rate when you wake up in the morning before getting up, and subtract your resting heart rate from your maximum heart rate. Then multiply this by 0.6. Add on resting heart rate, and you get your lower end of aerobic work at 60%. Repeat, but multiply by 0.7 to get 70%. Sounds complicated, but this is all on my website. Again, it's tonylartman.com slash 80-20-polarize-training. And that's polarized with an S, not a Z. So my training heart rate for aerobic conditioning is 120 to 131 beats per minute for 60 to 70%. I have a max of 172 beats per minute and a resting heart rate of 40 beats per minute. Why do we keep it in this zone? Why don't we go lower or higher? Well, it's the most efficient zone for aerobic conditioning and building up endurance. Because we are focusing on increasing our aerobic capacity and stimulating the type 1 muscle fibres, that maximises mitochondrial growth and density. Also, this type of training increases fatty acid usage and makes you super efficient at burning fats and preserving glycogen. So glycogen stores are used during a 2K race. And by doing more aerobic conditioning, you preserve those glycogen stores by using more fatty acids. Aerobic conditioning also improves lactate clearance, and all this results in a faster time. As we move into the next phase of training, high-intensity workouts will become more frequent. Another caveat is that we are going to include one high-intensity workout a week during this initial general preparation phase of training. So it's not all low-intensity. There is one high-intensity workout a week. This weekly workout targets the anaerobic threshold. So the aerobic threshold is the lower end. Anaerobic is when you start to accumulate lactic acid in the body. And it's triggered around 85 to 90% of your maximum heart rate. So working out the 85%, you use the same formula, maximum heart rate minus resting heart rate times 0.85 plus resting heart rate. Then multiply 0.9 plus resting heart rate for 90%. For me, This works out at 152 to 159 beats per minute. Again, this is all on the website. I tend to do these sessions on a rower and not on the weights day. We do weights to try and do a high intensity row afterwards is near impossible and you won't get the best out of it. My strokes per minute are between 24 and 28 strokes per minute at this intensity. I break these up into long intervals such as 4 by 8 or 3 by 10 minutes with a quarter rest. So for example, four by eight minutes would have two minutes rest, or the three by 10 minutes would have two and a half minutes rest. The total workout time would be between 30 and 40 minutes. I have a good 10 to 15 minute warm up and at least five minutes to cool down and stretch afterwards. So there we have it, the first phase of the training cycle. There's no pressure to perform. You just get yourself into a rhythm of training and ensure you lift heavy. Keep to the correct heart rates during those long endurance sessions. Cross train, 
and do one hard session a week on the indoor rower. And please stretch. Use this phase to increase your mobility through weight training and flexibility through stretching. Eat well, sleep well, and enjoy the training. There's no pressure, so you can go out there and just enjoy it to keep fit and healthy, and you'll notice the benefits. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me through my website at tonylartman.com or Instagram at tonylartman. Thank you.